Today from the Global Lane, a massive cyber attack against the U.S. government. If you were to put this uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, this one's blinking uh, pretty close to a 10. Are the carbon tax and Green New Deal coming to America? Be afraid, be very afraid. COVID vaccines may bring economic gain, but Biden policies may bring economic pain next summer. The reality of tax increases to corporate America are going to begin to set in. And the reason for the Christmas season. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Homefront hack. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency is calling on all federal civilian agencies to review their computer networks for possible compromise. The directive comes as U.S. government officials try to figure out what to do about a security breach, a possible foreign intrusion into federal computer networks. Malware inserted into the SolarWinds Orion monitoring system has reportedly compromised computer networks at the Treasury and Commerce Departments, also Homeland Security, the Pentagon, NASA, and the White House. Joining us to share some thoughts on what all of this means is Mr. Frank Salufo, director of the Center for Cyber and Homeland Security at Auburn University. Mr. Salufo is a former Homeland Security Advisor to President George W. Bush and a member of the Homeland Security Advisory Council. Frank, the Pentagon has ordered a shutdown of all of its computer networks handling classified information. So just how extensive and massive is the damage and what does it mean for U.S. national security? Well, that's a great question. At this point, they're doing the damage assessment, so we don't know what we don't know. But what we do know is that solar winds is is implemented uh, across 400 of the Fortune 500 companies and almost all the significant government agencies you can think of. So the potential for a catastrophic uh, uh, incident, at least from an espionage perspective, is very high. And as such, uh, DHS had, had, had issued an emergency uh, alert uh, a couple of days ago asking all government agencies to literally unplug any networks and systems they have that are running solar winds. And uh, uh, the potential, if you were to put this uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, this one's blinking uh, pretty close to a 10. So, so this is, this is no, no small deal. This is a big, big, big situation we're dealing with. Wow. And some government officials say they suspect Russia is behind this hack. But uh, a spokesman for Russian President Putin, of course, called it fake news. Others say highly sophisticated actors were involved in this. And that may indicate China was responsible. So who do you think was behind this attack? You know, between Russia and China, they're both very sophisticated cyber actors, both of whom are referred to as advanced persistent threats. In this case, uh, the old Mark Twain line, where his history may not repeat itself, it tends to rhyme. We are seeing a lot of the uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures we had seen Russia engaged in in the past. So I, I think that uh, still early to tell because others can can try to make it look like and pin the uh, pin the incident on someone else. But but as far as what we've seen in the past, uh, history's rhyming a little here, and, and, and we've seen this in the past from, from Russia. That by no means gives China a pass, because China is incredibly active in terms of nefarious cyber activity. And they've been behind probably the most sophisticated espionage uh, incident in the United States. That was the attack of OPM. Basically, everyone who filled out their security clearance forms had their information compromised by China in the past. So 
uh, either actor, it's a big it, it's a big deal, and and we got to make sure that we stanch the bleeding now. Is this the result of a gradual, highly sophisticated effort that began worldwide back in March or April? Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So rarely does the incident occur immediately uh, after a breach uh, uh, is intended. What you're seeing here is they were able to access different levels of credentials. In other words, they got in through the front door and then they were uh, through the back door. Then they were able to get into the front door of uh, all of our homes and all of our buildings and all of our government agencies. So in all likelihood, this is uh, what's referred to as a supply chain attack. In this case, it's a it's a software that's deployed all throughout the U.S. government that was exploited. It was done so in a very sophisticated manner. Um, many of these companies have access because they're sending patches when when known vulnerabilities are, uh, are identified to to fix our systems. Well, those same access points can be used for uh, nefarious aims, and that that appears to be the case here. So. This by no means happened overnight. This is a many-month uh, uh, campaign. Uh, and, and I might note that every day is a cyber day that we need to be uh, on guard and, and prepared for uh, intrusions by China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. And, and, and the reality is, is uh, this is the modern form of warfare. It's the modern form of espionage. And whereas technology changes, human nature remains consistent. And people have wished us harm in the past, and they're using cyber to exploit that today. And investors in the Austin-based SolarWinds company reportedly sold off $280 million in stock just days before the breach was revealed. So how significant is that to all of this? You know, that's a great question. Uh, uh, as someone who has no direct insight into any of that, that, that is a little disconcerting. So I, I hope that there is, in fact, an investigation uh, and if they were trading based on insider information, shame on them. Uh, they should pay the consequences for uh, for any bad behavior if that, in fact, is the case here. And I guess the FBI has seized computers and documents at SolarWinds headquarters in Austin. So what else should the Trump administration do at this point, especially if evidence is obtained that shows that Russia or China was involved? You know, we need to demonstrate that this is unacceptable behavior. Now, now I might note this is not up to the level of an act of war. At this point, it's largely a major espionage campaign. But for far too long, we've let the bad guys get away with, with little consequence. So we need to be able to incur cost, incur consequence, and try to induce changes in bad behavior. Um, there has to be a response um, as to uh, the precise response. It's, it's in part dependent upon, A, who the perpetrator was, and, and B, if we get a better sense of just how significant uh, of, of an incident it was, the damage assessment. But short, short, short answer is, is there needs to be a response. This is unacceptable behavior. Um, and uh, otherwise, we'll be blaming the victim and the bad guys will be running with impunity and do it again and again and again. And, and it's not only to send a message to this perpetrator, it's everyone else watching. We need to demonstrate that we take these issues seriously or, or you're just going to invite more and more copycats to continue doing what they're doing. Okay, Frank Salufo, Director of the Center for Cyber and Homeland Security at Auburn University. Thank you, Frank, for sharing your time and insights. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Joe Biden says once he's sworn in as president, it'll be full steam ahead on combating climate change. Biden says the United States will rejoin 
the 2015 Paris Accord on the first day of his presidency. He also promises to hold a global climate summit within his first 100 days. So is the Green New Deal and a global carbon tax coming to the USA? Or will Biden propose something else? Well, joining us is Gregory Wrightstone. Mr. Wrightstone is a geologist and the executive director of the CO2 Coalition in Arlington, Virginia. He is best-selling author of Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Greg, it's good to talk to you again. So last fall, uh, NPR Marist poll uh, found only 12% of Americans say they're concerned about climate change. Yet it appears Joe Biden and the Democrats are making it a priority. So where do you think Biden plans to take us on this issue? Well, yeah, he's going to take us someplace that's, that's not going to be very pleasant for everybody in America. Um, in fact, I'm in the middle of putting the final touches on a new commentary. The title is... Joe Biden and his climate plan, be afraid, be very afraid. And his, we, can, we can tell how serious it is by who he's putting on his administration. And he started with John Kerry uh, as his climate czar, if you will. Now, John Kerry is a, he's a true blue, dyed-in-the-wool climate extremist who really believes the earth is going to end unless we act now. Uh, other people, I think, mouth the words, but he's a true believer. And what's interesting about Kerry and kind of scary is that he, three years ago, he stated no matter what the United States did about climate change in terms of reducing our emissions, it wouldn't have anything to do with changing the world's temperature at all. We would have no effect on climate change. And the reason he said was because India and China continue to escalate their emissions by building more coal fires, mainly China. Um, I, you know, I could very well see John Kerry making a trip and coming back home waving a, a document, a signed document by Xi in his hand saying, I've saved the earth, I've saved the planet. Uh, the Chinese are going to reduce their emissions by X percent by 2050. And, well, we had to get rid of the, you know, we had to undo all that tariffs and all the good work that's gone on for the last four years trying to flatten the playing field with China. Um, so he, that, that's a real danger right there with Kerry. And we also look at the other people he's appointing there, Janet Yellen uh, at Treasury, actually. You're going, what does Treasury have to do with this? But uh, if they, I think it's likely Joe might impose some type of climate emergency like the COVID emergency about climate. Uh, and Janet Yellen's been a huge, huge supporter of carbon taxation scheme. She calls it a free market solution uh, to the climate change problem. I, I call it a solution in search of a problem. And Greg, um, that would be very costly to the U.S. I mean, some people are estimating as much as $90 trillion over 10 years. How could we afford that as a nation? Would that bankrupt the country? It put us on our knees, economically put us on our knees. Um, it would, and that's what the Chinese want. This is going right in with their, their scheme, uh, where they would love nothing better than to impose a carbon tax on, on America and on the Western world. Uh, it would cripple us economically. Uh, it would elevate the Chinese economy, because they're not going to do anything. We is know that, that. Is that the they, goal, Greg? Made... Is that the real goal, Greg, in all of this? Because I know Biden pledges to reduce carbon emissions uh, in the USA to net zero and by 2050, saying it would be good for the economy because it would create jobs. 
Also, Governor Gavin Newsom, right? He's already said gasoline-powered automobiles will be phased out in California by 2035. So both men support phasing out coal and oil and gas fracking. But what about the jobs? What do you think of those steps? you got to make sacrifices. You know, we all have to, you know, we'll lose millions and millions of jobs. And you're gonna, it's going to cost you a lot more each year for everything you buy. It's going to the goal of a carbon taxation scheme is to raise the cost of energy, electricity, gasoline, everything else, uh, and make them un make those types of energy uh, uncompetitive against their, their so-called clean brethren in wind and solar. There's there's a growing backlash against wind power across throughout the world. And Biden also wants the Department of Defense, the U.S. military. Uh, to lead the way on carbon reduction. What do you think of that idea? You can't make this stuff up. His six priorities is number six on the list is security of the nation for the military. For the military. That's number six. The other, the other climate change came in at number four for the military priorities. Um, it's, you know, it's too scary. To, you can't laugh at it. If it was, if somebody was writing a novel, uh, you go, ah, come on, that's not. Nobody would do that. Uh, but they are. They're they're prioritizing this, and and his plan is uh, a global. His plan for carbon tax is really a regressive taxation scheme, and by that I mean that every the poorest among us pay the highest percentage of their income on energy, and if you increase the cost of that energy, which that's their stated goal, is to increase energy costs. It's, it's impacting the poorest among us the most. If you're making uh, 300000 a year, well, you know, $40,000 for energy costs, that's not much. But if you're making fifty grand, it, it's a lot. It, 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 it's, it's not a good idea, and it's, it's, it's going to be very economically crippling here to, to the United States. Well, plenty of material for a new book for you, Greg. Gregory Wrightstone, geologist, author of the book Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Thank you, Greg Wrightstone, for sharing your insights. Thank you, Gary. COVID-19 vaccine rollouts and Americans now rolling up their sleeves. Will the start of a coronavirus protected populace be enough to keep Wall Street and the U.S. economy moving in the right direction? How might Joe Biden's tax policies affect your 2021 pocketbook? Well, joining us to provide some insights is Financial Issues TV radio host Dan Celia. Dan, it's so good to see you again. So this vaccine, the rollouts, truly historic. Wall Street has reacted positively. Will this positivity continue into the new year? Yeah, that's a good question, Gary. I, I don't think that it's going to continue. It'll continue into the new year for certain. Uh, I think that uh, in the very short term, it's all going to be good. There is going to be a sense of optimism that, um, you know, the vaccine is here. That's, that's great. People are going to be able to get back to work, and hopefully the business sentiment will feel uh, pretty good about that, start opening up and, and getting those jobs cranked up again. So I think in the short term, all of those things that I just said are likely to happen. I think the bigger concern uh, is not really the long term, but just six, eight months. I'm thinking June, July. 
I mean, we're going to start out pretty good uh, in the year, but uh, in the short term, in the next six months, the reality of tax increases to corporate America are going to begin to set in. The reality of some of the higher regulatory burden that uh, a president Biden has promised is going to start to set in. It's going to set in on business and business sentiment, and it's going to set in on Wall Street, and it's certainly going to set in to the banking sector. So it's going to take a little bit of time for that to trickle down through the economy in a negative way, but I suspect that it will. Small businesses are suffering more than 110,000 restaurants, I guess, alone have closed, and families are hurting. So how is all this going to affect the Christmas economy? Can these businesses ever come back from the extreme measures? Yeah, I don't think they will, Gary. I think the whole thing is somewhat shameful. Uh, you know, as you said, 110,000 restaurants alone, that's 6 million jobs that are likely to be gone forever. Some of these small businesses, uh, third generation companies. And as you know, Gary, I think we've talked about it. You know, the small business is the heartbeat of America. It's the largest employer in the country. And this is uh, the, the, the exact target that is getting the biggest hit from all of this. And it's really a sad thing to sit back and watch. I don't know how we recover from that as an economy. I don't think they are going to recover. I think some of them will. There may be, you know, uh, uh, a few hundred thousand that might regroup and be able to recover. But it's going to be very, very difficult to come back uh, from this. And, Dan, the hits will just keep on coming. You had mentioned uh, tax increases during uh, a Biden administration. So I'm asking you to make a quick prediction for 2021. I'm guessing you'll say a better economy, but not great. Yeah, I think the first half is going to be uh, better than it has been for the uh, second half of this year, but or the first half of this year. So it's going to be better than that. But again, uh, what I'm fearful of, Gary, is the same kind of attitude we had in 2008, 9, 10, 11, where consumers begin to hunker down a little bit as they begin to get a little bit for, more fearful about their jobs, having jobs, and be able to uh, being able to maintain their lifestyle. Okay, Dan, we'll look forward to talking to you in 2021. Dan Celia, Financial Issues TV and radio host, we always appreciate having you on and you sharing your insights, Dan. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, uh, Gary. Sure do appreciate you and the work you're doing. Thank you for having me on. As expected, bah humbug secular humanists are doing what they can to stop Christians from enjoying Christmas. You may have heard about James Faison of Clinton, North Carolina. He displayed a six-foot lighted wooden cross in his yard. And the Housing Association said it would have to come down because it's not a Christmas decoration. I guess Frosty is fine, but not the wooden cross, even though it represents Jesus Christ, the reason we celebrate Christmas, Christmas. Well, after receiving many complaints, the Housing Association agreed that James could keep the cross up, but he has to take it down after Christmas. Also, how about this one on Facebook? A warning screen popped up this year, the same as two years ago, covering a portrait of Santa kneeling at the feet of baby Jesus. 
Facebook said its algorithm briefly labeled it as depicting graphic violence. How did that happen? Yes, folks, I guess the Prince of Peace and Jolly St. Nick are now considered to be graphically violent. More big social media tech hostility or just a mistake? Well, as animosity grows against Christians, Christ, and Christmas, isn't it satisfying to know that we have a president that reminds Americans what Christmas is all about? Listen to Donald Trump at this year's National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony at the White House. For Christians, this is a joyous time to remember God's greatest gift to the world. More than 2,000 years ago, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. He said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. The angel told her that she would give birth to a baby boy, Jesus, who would be called the Son of the Most High. Nine months later, Christ was born in the town of Bethlehem. The Son of God came into the world in a humble stable. As Christians everywhere know, the birth of our Lord and Savior changed history forever. At Christmas, we give thanks to God and that God sent his only son to die for us and to offer everlasting peace to all humanity. More than two millennia after the birth of Jesus Christ, his teachings continue to inspire and uplift billions and billions of people all over the globe. His divine word still fills our hearts with hope and faith and Christians everywhere still strive to live by Jesus' timeless commandment to his disciples, love one another. Above all, during the sacred season, our souls are full of thanks and praise for Almighty God for sending us Christ, his Son, to redeem the world. President Trump asked God to continue to bless this nation and grant every American family a Christmas season full of joy, hope, and peace. The same to you and the first family, Mr. President, and thank you for reminding the world that Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Parler, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.